You are now listening to the Hot Take Podcast, brought to you by Full Time Fantasy. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Josh Daly. Time to make it hot. Welcome to the show. It is the Hot Take Podcast, and we are back and better than ever. I am joined by my co-host, Josh Daly. What is going on, my friend? It is a pleasure to be back with you, talking fantasy football for the third week in a row here in the offseason. Yeah, man, excited to be back on and plenty to talk about here. We now know when the new league season is going to start, so we should have some really exciting free agent news instead of rumors coming up. So it's, uh, it's, getting, it's getting exciting, man. We were just talking off air uh, about everything that's going on, obviously, with you know the coronavirus. It's tough not to talk about it, but NBA season was just suspended. So the, what I'm gathering right now is it's on hiatus. Rudy Gobert was, uh, it looks like that he himself tested positive for a coronavirus. So, you know, yeah, and least- Emmanuel Moutier now as well, same team. Emmanuel Moutier. So it came out earlier that they, you know, they shut down the, the game. There was fans waiting. You know, there was you know, a lot of controversy surrounding the OKC and Jazz game. And then they, they just canceled the game. Um, and then soon later, within like 20 minutes, I'm telling you, uh, the NBA season suspended. So, you know, it, it's pretty crazy. So we got, you know, we're going to obviously speculate and see what, you know, is going to happen with the NFL draft, you know, that's what we were talking about off air. It was like, what's going to happen with the NFL draft now? So a lot of things to consider, but we're going to talk some good old-fashioned fantasy football today. And I'm excited to be joined by Jesse Reeves of playerprofiler.com. So we have a special guest for you. What is going on, Mr. Jesse Reeves? What's going on, guys? Thanks for uh, having me on tonight. I know a lot of the, the craziness going on right now with this coronavirus and everything. It's, uh, it's kind of nice to interact with people uh, through the interwebs and not have to worry about getting infected, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. Well, and, and you're also, you got all that daylight behind you right there with uh, yeah. in sunny. Uh, now, what, what was the city that you're actually in right now? Oh, I'm actually, so I'm just a small suburb town, Brentwood, right outside of uh, San Francisco, um, uh, it's probably about 30 minutes, 45 minutes east of there. So not to be confused with Brentwood in Southern California. <laughs> yes, Brent, Brentwood. And believe it or not, I think Brentwood in Southern California is like, um, it's not even like a city or like a town. It's like, um, well, it's a part of know, Beverly like, Hills. Yeah, exactly. It's it, like, it's, it's like, you know, like when you go to New York, how there's like boroughs inside yes. of the actual city. It's, I, I think it's something similar to that. I don't know. I'm no geography major or anything. And, but. and then rumor has it, if you're in Brentwood at a certain time of day, you can still see OJ walk by or drive by <laughs> in, that, in that white Bronco. <laughs> I don't know. I caught him at my local, uh, my, my local Costco the other day and he was buying up all the toilet paper, dude. Dang, yeah, that was, there was a problem with that. Yeah, he, he ended up getting all of it. The um, picture was I, wild. I'd, I'd be scared if wild. he was buying all the bleach. Dude, and he <laughs> opened himself up for some scrutiny there because people were commenting and they were like, only you would have the pe- power to kill the coronavirus or something. And I'm just, I'm <laughs> oh, like, oh, beautiful. OJ, dude, you got to stop posting, dude. Stop posting on, yeah, <laughs> stop posting on Twitter, bro. Like, I wish I could say, yeah, man, you know, good for OJ owning it. But no, no, not, not in this case no, here. Not at all. Um, no. So, Jesse, real quick, please talk to everybody about what you're doing over at Player Profile and the model you've been working on. And then that'll lead us into what the next question I'm going to ask you about which wide receiver prospect you're higher on than the consensus at this point. Yeah. So right now over at player profile, I'm working on doing a couple prospect profiles. I believe I have a four on my slate. So um, some, some big names there. Um, we're just going to get some profiles out, get, get some of the, like where we kind of have them ranked at player profiler, whether on, on our consensus ranks, uh, where, um, we have them with our combine metrics and, um, anybody who's visited the website over there, uh, incredible data free platform that, um, everybody gets to use. And you guys can go to these player pages. For example, I'll, I'll give a little sneak peek. I'm, I have a Jalen Rager, um, profile coming up you guys can go over to his page check out all his combine metrics uh where he ranks in terms of percentiles for physical uh, metrics all that good stuff and i'll actually have just my own personalized profile coming out on him so you can expect a couple of those um, in terms of written content for what i'm doing right now at player profiler 
And then um, I'm working on a project called the Rookie Index, and that's um, set to come out on April 6th. And um, you kind of mentioned it in terms like right now I've just been in a dungeon and just working on uh, with spreadsheets mostly and creating um, models to help um, predict where these rookies are going to land right now. And uh, currently in the middle of my wide receiver model. And um, it's just been, it's just, just grinding out data right now, man. Just pretty much just coming up with, um, with, with, with these models that I can include for people that um, can give them a good idea of where I have these guys ranked and what they can expect from them coming into this class. So um, yeah, that in terms of, of, of what I have for content wise, doing um, a podcast with uh, my co-host Matt Gujeski to the draft dialogue. We have um, uh, independent or not independent individual uh, rather episodes, dropping weekly or daily excuse me um about prospects that we're just profiling so those are about 10 to 15 minute profiles that we have we do it on a live show cut it up throw it on youtube for video purposes and then throw it on a podcast feed so um a lot of content just coming out right now it's that time of year um this is the time where we just kind of we hit the 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 boosters and just kind of go all in and um pump out as much content on this rookie class get these dynasty folks ready for uh what's what's going to happen in april so yeah that's pretty much where i'm at right now what i'm working on very nice, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, all of that uh, at playerprofiler.com. And of course, you know, I've mentioned Player Profiler on here. Um, and again, in my early uh, writing days with fan tracks, I, I would use it as a resource. I actually, when I first got into this industry, uh, I actually uh, hit up Matt Kelly. I DM'd him um, after he followed me and I just said, you know, is it okay to source your stuff, you know, when I'm writing? And I think he really appreciated that. Um, so I've had, you know, quite a little bit of a relationship with him as well. Um, and it's just, you know, a pleasure to have you on. First of all, Jesse, if you don't know playerprofile.com, check it out um, and understand that, you know, they took a chance with Jesse because they saw talent in, in you, my friend. Um, and just understand that we recognize that in the industry. Let me preface the show here. Uh, we're going to be talking about the free agent running backs today. We're going to talk a little bit of Dynasty as we're going to do in these early episodes here in the offseason. I want to talk relevance. That's why we're going to talk about some best ball darlings. You're going to need to know. You got, we got best ball drafts going to come out soon, you know? So I, I'm really excited. That, and we were talking about last week, Josh, where you can get some advantage early on the season. Nothing like best ball early on, man. I mean, you oh, yeah. want to get some teams. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a good time to, you know, put what you already know to the test, especially if you're, you know, kind of a, a believer in some coaching schemes or situations and things like that. I mean, it's – it's very prop. My, my my most profitable best ball teams last year were the ones I drafted early and the ones that I drafted right before kickoff. Well, Tyree Kill, that was the one, right? Yeah. I mean, if you drafted Tyree Kill in like the seventh round, it, what a team you have! Your receivers are just ridiculous. You oh, lucked yeah. out if you were to get able to get. I mean, I sold them in the midst of everything in terms of just just overall dynasty and stuff. I I sold them for whatever value I had, but man, I'm telling you, I'm regretting it right now. So when, when <laughs> people bring up that name, dude, oh I'm, man, oh man, because people, you probably were able to get them fairly cheap with somebody that was just like, nah, just get them out of here. I I, I don't, which was which was me. So I, yeah, oh I'm, man. Well, so, oh, I'm sorry upset. about your luck and sorry to bring that up because that sounds very <laughs> it's, it's all right, dude I just heard his name I was like damn it well we're gonna move on and hopefully you get the guy that you're about to talk about to make up for that loss so talk to me about a wide receiver right now that you're higher on than the consensus and when I say the consensus I mean the rest of the fantasy industry you know who are you higher on you know maybe it's not a first round pick in the rookie draft uh, and you think that there's going to be sustained value from this guy yeah. So right now, early impressions, I would probably say um, somebody that, that a, a guy that not too many people are talking about. Um, some of the savants are, uh, are but uh, for the most part, I would say a guy that grades out just kind of middle of the pack, but poses really good upside in this class is Gabriel Davis out of UCF. So um, for me, um, like I said, he grades out average, like 60th percentile, 70th percentile in most of my, uh, my weighted metrics right now in terms of like I use in, in my model, I use average dominator over average, which is a uh, Peter Howard stat who gracefully blessed us with that free information. That is a big component of, of something that I use in my model. Grades out really uh, decently there, I would say, probably about the 60th percentile. So going on from that, the, the, he, he grades out really well. Um, that's, that's actually kind of generous. He grades out pretty average, but from what I can see from the metrics that I have on him is he's a guy that you kind of probably the safest guy to throw a dart on outside of the first two rounds right now. So you're probably looking at, he's just an even keel kind of guy, but he has good upside 
probably never going to give you a wide, wide receiver one season. That's perfectly fine. But with the expectation of spending a late third or, or mid third of, uh, in your dynasty drafts, he's a guy that could probably return fringe wide receiver two um, seasons for, for fantasy. And he's somebody that I definitely am looking to get at a bargain. So Gabriel Davis, I'm probably much higher on him than a lot of other people. He'll probably crack my top 12 wide receivers, maybe kiss that wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12 range. Um, but yeah, I, I really like him. I like where he's grading out in my model right now and, and when, what I see from him. So, you know, I just pulled up player profiler and it looks like his best, uh, you know, uh, run at the combine was his speed score. So, you know, what, why is his speed score so high at 78th percentile compared to, you know, I mean, I guess you incorporate his size at 216, he's 62 and he ran the four five forty. So that speed score, is that something that we should, can look into as like, okay, that's his advantage and that can maybe make him ascend from that average as, as you put it to maybe that wide receiver two type of guy in a given season. I wouldn't wait too much on the speed score, the 40, the 40, these things definitely contribute in terms of combine metrics. They definitely contribute to, um, a, a culmination of physical metrics that should be weighted that can predict fantasy points. But in terms of just the speed score alone, I wouldn't put too much, uh, too much weight into that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't plan on that being the reason why he would elevate himself into a wide receiver, wide receiver two status. I would probably um, lean more to the fact that he's an age 20 breakout right now. And he's, he's got a 34.4% dominator rating college dominator rating that is so which means he definitely was able to grab a big percentage of the UCF market share while he was there over the past two years you see in uh, his 2018 season he snagged 815 yards and seven touchdowns had a 65.4 percent catch rate all this information again on player profiler too. Um, 2019 really exploded 72 receptions for 1241 yards and 12 touchdowns so that's where we kind of see that that re, that surge of, of him being broke out. Yeah, exactly. We see what what he's capable of. So, um, in in terms of definitely, I I would say his weight adjusted speed score looks great, predictable. It, it has a correlation in predicting fantasy points, but that won't be the reason. The reason is he's going to walk into a system that might be a little depleted at the wide receiver position. Um, he might get a little added, uh, hopefully is depleted at the wide receiver position, and he might get a little bit of added volume off the jump, and then you'll see him have usable weeks and probably squeak himself into a couple wide receiver too. Maybe if he has a high, you know, a very, very high ceiling week, uh, he squeaks into that top 12 on a, on, on, um, a couple rare occasions, but that would probably be my projection for him is a guy who's just going to play his career and he's going to be that fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three um, mold. And that might even be a little too generous, but with the value that I said, when, with, with you getting him at that wide receiver, you know, that, uh, that round three in the middle of round three, early round four in your, in your rookie drafts, that's pretty good upside, pretty good value there. And Jesse, before we move on, and I, I think that Gabriel Davis is a guy that you can certainly get at the end of the third round, uh, as you mentioned, which is just, you know, great value uh, in these rookie drafts. So a, a great name to keep your eye on going into any sort of dynasty rookie draft. Um, obviously, in redraft, you're probably uh, not drafting him, depending on, you know, where he lands. If he lands in a juicy situation, obviously, we have to consider that. But um, just talk to me real quick. I have C.D. Lamb as my wide receiver one. I don't think that there's an argument. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't really see anybody um, taking over. The only guy that I can really think right now that would overtake CD for the number one spot would be Tyler Johnson. And that he would have to be like the number one wide receiver wow. overall. Uh, he would have to be because Tyler Johnson um, in, in my model right now grades in the 90th percentile across the board on every single um Every single dominator, uh, market share of receiving yards, uh, average receiving yards per pass attempt, everything across the board in efficiency and production, Tyler Johnson is by far and away the best wide receiver in this class. But um, at, least from, at least from where I sit with, with my, my nerdy spreadsheet open. But um, it, would, it would be Tyler Johnson, Jalen Rager, and CeeDee Lamb uh, in no particular order except Tyler Johnson. If he were to have that, uh, that first-round draft capital, he would definitely skyrocket up the board for me. But but that doesn't look like it's it's going to be a possibility with him kind of skipping out on the the, the combine and the senior bowl and the NFLPA game, I believe, or it was the shrine, excuse me, the shrine game that he kind of ditched out on. 
Um, there's been questions about his, you know, his character and whatnot. So I think you have to adjust and move him down. But right now it's pretty much CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Rager that are in their own class. And I say um, CeeDee Lamb is definitely a guy who just grades out very, very favorably across the board in terms of um, average, uh, average receiving yards per pass attempt. He's in the 90th percentile, 70th percentile, and average dominator over average. Yeah, I mean, and real quick, because, you know, we do have to move on. But, I mean, honestly, if you're listening to this right now and you're doing the Dynasty Draft coming up, uh, you're getting a lot of great details. Um, so lucky you uh, for listening to this show. Uh, <laughs> how condescending is that? Like, that's like, <laughs> no, but uh, no, thanks for listening. We love our listeners. And um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm telling you, uh, CD, I, you could make the argument, even in Superflex, and I know that I'll be you know, chastised by our guys that love drafting quarterbacks. I mean, Tua and Joe Burrow, right? Those are the guys. I mean, you can argue the situation that they're going into, not the best, right? And, you know, you got Jonathan Taylor, you got guys like C.D. Lamb. I mean, I could really see myself thinking about it, even in the super flex. You yeah, know, we're recording this on his pro day, too. Do you guys see that just disgusting catch that he made in the corner of the end zone? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Just- yeah, yeah, he makes he makes nasty. circus. Yeah, he just makes these circus <laughs> right. catches, and he's just an absolute. Um, he's just an absolute animal. He's not a guy like it, from everything that I've watched on him too. Because yes, I do like to watch a little bit of film on the guys that I evaluate. How dare um, you? Everything that I've seen, I know, right? I can't do both. <laughs> God, gosh forbid. Um, no, on everything that I've seen from him, he is just an absolute physical animal at the catch point. He's a guy that um, can track the ball very, very well. He doesn't supply you with a ton of speed, but he just doesn't really need it. He makes these circus-like catches that um, almost make you just drop your jaw. He's a consistent guy, great hands, and um, he's, he's fair and, and nuanced in route running enough to, to, to beat coverages, and that's what you need from your wide receiver position. You need him to be able to leverage themselves against coverage and tackle. Yeah, I mean, I hesitate to compare him or anyone to Julio Jones, but obviously, you know, the comparison's there. He's not as tall as Julio, but I I see that sort of freakish athlete, and I see the sustained success of somebody like him. Uh, I really think that, you know, it's a different kind. Like, his body type more resembles Des Bryant than anything, Um, and he can be that physical guy, but what he is is, you know, he can stop on a dime, and like you said, the point of uh, the point of the catch, he, he gets to and wins those balls so well. So you know, that's that's a lot of Julio kind of Des Bryant in there. So um, yeah, he he is those things. So I think that you know if you take a top three pick with him, that that's where you know you're, you're going to get him there. I don't think he's dropping past three right now. So um, yeah, yeah, it's and, Joe Burrow and then Jonathan Taylor and then C.D. Lamb. Those right. are the top three in my opinion. exactly. Uh, so let's talk about some of these free agent tight ends. You know, we're going to talk really quickly about these. Josh, I'll toss it up to you. Hunter Henry, who the Chargers, and then Jesse will obviously get your input on this. Chargers probably going to uh, franchise, franchise tag him. I imagine he'll be a Charger next year. Um, and then we have Austin Hooper, um, who potentially uh, same sort of thing. And then Eric Ebron is actually on the free agent market. So which of these guys, Josh, are you more interested in? And where do you think that they'll land? Well, from a free agency perspective, I think that Austin Hooper's situation is the most interesting. I'll let Jesse talk about Hunter Henry. Uh, love me some Hunter Henry, my goodness. But uh, I'll let Jesse talk about him because he's the uh, the Chargers guy. But uh, the Austin Hooper situation is, I mean, that's a lock that he's leaving Atlanta. They're they're just in salary cap hell right now. And I mean, they can't afford anybody. Even, I mean, even if they let Devontae Freeman go I mean they still don't even have enough cap space uh to, you know to sign or yeah. to franchise tag Hooper so I mean it's uh that's just it's tough man because they you know they waited a few years here and he's kind of you know we we see tight ends take a few years to develop and I mean you know he he had some elite fantasy production last year and we were talking about best ball at the beginning of the show um you know shout out to Sean Corner last year he had Austin Hooper uh, very highly ranked and was touting him and I had him on a ton of best ball teams and I think it's going to be interesting because Green Bay just cut Jimmy Graham earlier today and I feel like that is a very logical landing spot for him in Atlanta in uh well for Hooper to go from Atlanta to Green Bay right so it's uh it's definitely interesting even though we really haven't seen a tight end be successful there since Jermichael Finley but you know that's he's the guy I'm most interested in 
Um, you know, I think that if Eric Ebron leaves Indy, that definitely leaves the door open for them to maybe sign somebody. But I think it's very interesting for Jack Doyle, and I think his his value takes a massive tick upward with that. Jimmy Graham, you know, signing like a vet minimum with Atlanta kind of makes sense too, right? Oh, yeah, they could definitely switch teams. I mean, that's yeah. – <laughs> That's about the only thing Atlanta can afford right now. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that would be very interesting. I don't know if Austin Hooper lands in Green Bay. I don't know if I'm as interested just because, like you said, you're Michael Finley. And, like, that was just kind of like a weird fluke season. So, you know, I don't know how much – like, obviously, if they paid him, then you'd maybe say follow the money there. But if he lands in Green Bay, I don't know if that's an ideal spot for him. Now, Eric Ebron, I think that – I think he's a talented tight end. I think that, you know, he's not – he is what he is. And I think we saw him as a Colt really excel, obviously, with a guy like Andrew Luck. So if you put Eric Ebron in somewhere like Green Bay, yeah, I think I, I would buy that. You know, I would, I would, you know, and I think maybe I'm contradicting myself, but I think that what Eric Ebron showed us with the Colts in that Andrew Luck years, he doesn't have to be on the field for, you know, 60% of snaps. He could be on the field for even 35% of snaps and get two touchdowns. Um, and Aaron Rodgers likes to throw touchdowns. So, I, I would see that as maybe, I don't know about more of an appeal than Austin Hooper. I think Austin Hooper's the better player at this point, but I just see the better fit for Eric Ebron. So Jesse, talk to us about Hunter Henry. Is he just, is he a lock as a charger or is he going somewhere else? No, he's, he's, they're going to lock him down. They're going to lock him down. I think for the most part, um, one of the biggest reasons you saw Austin Eckler get locked up to a contract is because they knew that they were going to have to franchise Hunter Henry. Um, you can only, I, I believe, um, I'm not nuanced in, uh, or I, I don't really know franchise tags as, as much as um, some of those guys over at like OTC or anything like that. But um, I do know, I don't think you can apply two. You can only have one for, for one player, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe so. You have to designate it to one player. Josh, uh, are you right. Yeah. yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's have, what I. Th- uh, yeah, one franchise, and then you can do uh, the transition tag as well. But they, yeah, but yeah, I mean that's that makes a ton of sense for them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Eckler. So I, I think one of the biggest reasons you saw Austin Eckler get signed to a multi multi year contract is because they wanted to be able to franchise Hunter Henry. The fact of the matter is, Hunter Henry has yet to put sixteen up over the past couple seasons. Um, he's, you know, he put 12 games up, uh, 12 games in 2017, 12 games this year, missed 2018 with that ACL injury. I think franchising him is the smart decision. We know what he can do. Even in the 12 games this year, um, we only saw 652 receiving yards, but that ranks ninth from the tight end, five total touchdowns, which was kind of alarming um, for the most part. We thought that Hunter Henry's value was going to come from um, from that red zone, from from having that red zone that red zone capability for Phillip rivers. But the fact of the matter is that the chargers, when they did make it to the red zone, they were either trying to give Melvin Gordon or Austin echo the ball three straight times to punch that thing in, or Phillip rivers was throwing a pick. So there wasn't too much value to go around for, um, for, for Hunter Henry in that, um, in that offense down, down the stretch inside the twenties for the most part. So, we did see him grade out fairly well, though, in terms of, of, of just overall tight ends in, in the 2019 class. I mean, he graded very well in, in terms of um, catch rate, 13th among tight ends, um, <clears throat> uh, yards per reception, 11.9. That's 11th among tight ends. I think he, we know what he can do, and giving him that franchise tag was perfect. I think you want to keep him on the team, but we want to get healthy hunter henry that's what we want because a healthy hunter henry that can put 16 games in a season is hopefully going to be playing more than 16 games for the team because he's going to be a vital asset he'll be playing you know 16 and then 17 18 19 hopefully all the way into the super Bowl. if he does put if he does put together that 16 game season does he earn himself a paycheck absolutely before we move on josh anybody else at tight end or anything else to add no, I mean, not unless you guys really want to talk about Jason Witten, but uh, no. just just you guys curious. Going back to ESPN, uh, right? Yeah, I mean that's the that's the best landing spot if we could. Oh man, no, that would or, be. Or, or is it? Or is it? Yeah. Oh gosh, that would be so bad. <laughs> no, I think uh, the only thing I was going to add was that just with with Eric Ebron. I mean, there's a there's a couple of teams that kind of make sense. I mean, I could I could see the Patriots taking a stab on him for sure. Um, you know, maybe the Bears, if you know, if Nagy's kind of um, done with Trey Burton. So I mean, it just yeah, yeah Trey Burton could be done. That, that's a weird thing. 
Yeah, and, and then maybe so hyped a couple seasons ago. Oh it man, it was literally Trey Burton was a top twelve, um, a, a top twelve tight end asset. It's looking rough for him, but yeah, that's, that's a good call, Josh. I mean, Eric Ebron to to Chicago or um, New England. I mean, obviously, if they want Tom Brady back, giving him a tight end, I think is. Is Watch out for Adam Troutman in this class. He's a small school athletic super freak tight end, and the Bears just seem to fawn over those types of guys. So, watch out for him. He sounds like someone that would play for the Bears. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I saw him. I evaluated a little bit of him, not deeply yet, but I saw him and I was like, that guy's a Chicago Bear. I just knew <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some of these running backs. And, you know, going from Hunter Henry, let's just stay with the Chargers. That's that's the theme, guys. Sorry. If you've listened to last week's episode and this week's episode, look, we're talking Chargers. They're interesting. And, you know, right now their team could wind up with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback. It could be Tom Brady. We have no idea who's going to quarterback the Chargers in 2020. And it's kind of a cool situation. So Melvin Gordon, look, we obviously know that Austin Eckler got paid. And Austin Eckler didn't get paid. Like the Chargers say, hey, you're our guy. That's it. We don't need anybody else. They paid him like he's a, a, a going to be a piece of that offense for years to come. And, you know, Jesse, what does that mean for you? to you? Do, do you think Melvin Gordon is gone? Or do you think that, you know, the writing's on the wall and they, they've already, he's burned his bridge over there? Yeah, I, well, burned his bridge might be a little bit of a of a harsh statement because I, I believe they're leaving on good terms. I think that it just they're at a they're at a crossroads. They're at a disagreement. The franchise is not valuing the position. They believe that for whatever reason that they don't need his production right now to be an efficient offense, and that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, sometimes it's a business, and sometimes guys just they gotta go. Um, I think he is going to test free agent the, the free agent market, and I'm. I'm hard-pressed to say that he's going to end up as a Charger. I don't think he's going to be a Charger. I think that the franchise, more than anything, signed Eckler to – I don't want to call it peanuts, but it's it's a value-based deal for Austin Eckler. Uh, you're talking about, I believe it was um, 24 or 26 over four, and that right. comes out 24. to about 5. six – yeah, that comes out to about six million a year, which is not anywhere near what like Todd Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott or anything is 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 getting. So that doesn't tell me that they are looking to get bell cow volume, bell cow back work out of Austin Eckler. He's gonna kind of remain in the same place. So I think the franchise is letting Melvin go. They're not going to pay him anywhere near that top back dollar, even if he is probably within that top five to seven running backs. I will say that he is a very good running back, but with the crop of running backs that's coming in at the top of this class this year, it's very conceivable that they can grab a Cam Akers at the beginning of round three, or you know if they they can they can swindle their way into some extra draft capital if they have to trade up for a guy like I don't know Tua say. Um, well, I always they, I'll always compare you know make the comparison to the Cowboys right. Yeah. The leading rusher in the NFL, Demarco Murray, eighteen hundred yards sets the record for the Cowboys. Yeah. And me at the time being a Cowboys fan, not a Cowboys fan anymore. And I'm, that's a long story. I'm not going to get into it. But <laughs> I'm not a fan of any football team right now. Uh, but Marco Burry, I was pulling for it because I, player, I liked him as a football player, and I wanted them to re-sign him. They elected not to. What do they do? They sign Ezekiel Elliott, who is arguably a generational talent, who is behind a very you know cushy offensive line, and they yep. made a great business deal. So yep. what you're saying right now is they can make a great deal and not pay Melvin Gordon, right? Exactly. And get a Cam Akers who you took the words right out of my mouth. We were just talking about Akers last week, me and yep. Josh were. That would be so ideal for the, the Chargers to pair Eckler with somebody like Cam Akers. Exactly, exactly. And I think that was just kind of the goal. I think they knew from the beginning of last year they weren't going to pay Melvin Gordon. Um, I think the the biggest issue is that they didn't trade him off, man. They should have traded him, got some sort of compensation for him. But either way, yeah, he is, he is firmly, I believe, he's going to be out and you should probably um, start looking at destinations that fit his skill set the most. Great segue, man. You're a professional because, Josh, <laughs> where does Melvin Gordon fit? And, you know, one thing I will say before I toss it up to you, Josh, is we know Melvin Gordon's going to get paid more than Austin Eckler wherever he does. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. You know, Jesse said, uh, you know, he could still be in that five to seven, 
or uh, five to seven uh, top, you know, running back class. I think maybe he falls a little outside of there. Personally, I uh, fantasy wise, anyway, I do have him ranked, you know, out, uh, well outside that range. Uh, but he's he's still talented for sure. And I mean, the holdout last year, all that did was just kind of keep him fresh for longer. So it's not like he has a, a ton of mileage on him. And you know, he did save himself a little bit last year. But I think Houston would be a fantastic landing spot for him. Uh, I think if there's any one single player that has influence over their team's personnel decisions, that's not a quarterback and also a huge influence on their city, it'd be JJ Watt, uh, you know, also a Wisconsin Badger. And I think, you know, he's going to get his boy over to Houston because I, we, we know Lamar Miller's done. I mean, I can't see a scenario where they bring him back again. Right. I mean, maybe they do and sign Gordon, but I think Gordon makes the most sense to go to Houston uh, personally. I mean, I feel like he's a pretty decent fit in that offense as well. Uh, you know, I think he still has you know plenty of gas left in the tank. And it's just, um, you know, like Jesse was saying, you know, the, the Chargers can easily replace him at this point. They just signed Eckler and it's, I mean, I just don't see where Gordon would go back, even though, you know, I, I, I don't think he burned that bridge with uh, Telasco or whatnot, but it's, 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 it's just, I think, a done deal that he's gone and, and he'll probably end up somewhere like Houston. I think Houston's the, the number one landing spot on my list. Oh, man. It, if he goes to Houston, I mean, that is monumental. I, you, and I would love, love Gordon's situation, obviously, you know, with Deshaun Watson and that Houston offense because – Oh yeah. If we were happy with Carlos Hyde's production, I mean, what, <laughs> what's Melvin Gordon going to do? Yeah. Right. Uh, and you know, another team I'll throw out real quick is the Eagles. Now I hate to say that because I, I am a Miles Sanders truther and I want right. him to have that backfield, but you know, Jordan Howard, the guy who we're going to talk about here is, you know, a free agent. He could be on the move. If he goes away, which looks like he might, I could see the offense of the Eagles, you know, wanting to go and actually finally get, you know, that because it hasn't worked. I don't think with the committee approach um, as far as, I mean, obviously they won the Super Bowl, so you could argue, yeah, well, it did work, you know, but that was obviously, you know, a miracle type season for the Eagles. Um, I, I just think that if Jordan Howard left, you could see him fitting in with that Eagles offense, and, and that way, you know, you don't have to give Melvin Gordon twenty five. 30 carries, not a great fantasy situation. If he ends up there, you know, you don't want to see any fantasy running back end up with the Eagles. Cause you know that Doug Peterson is just going to keep adding running backs to the mix. Go find anybody off the street and just put them in there behind center just as a running back. So um, any other spot for Melvin Gordon, uh, Jesse, that you can think of off the top before we move on. I know he's being linked to Tampa right now and hoping I know fantasy um, situation wise, that's probably a really, really good spot. We saw what Arians did for a guy like DJ um, a couple, uh, a couple years ago and how he kind of flourished in that system. I think for the most part though, you're looking at um, you're looking at, I will say this. I really, really don't want him to go to Houston because there's a particular running back in this class that I think fits really, really well with what Houston does. And he can just absolutely explode into a top 12 running back. If he lands there, I do like Melvin Gordon there, but I, I hope he doesn't take up residency there just because for my own selfish needs. And if you're wondering the guys, JK Dobbins, who I hope goes to, to Houston, but that's I was, a different I was thinking Dobbins or Swift. I was Singing Dobbins, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Dobbins, dude. It, but it's just, yeah, that's a different conversation for another day because I, I really, really think that that he fits there. But um, Melvin Gordon, he is absolutely. Um, he, I think he'd be a great fit in Tampa. I think that was a, that was a, a a link that was kind of made when the holdout was happening as well before the trade deadline happened. Um, I think there was there was kind of a link being made between Tampa there, um, Peyton Barber potentially on his way out, and so really, um, the, the, you guys kind of hit it right on the head. I think there's a couple landing spots for a guy with. Uh, Melvin Gordon's talents. I think he he he'd be great in almost any system as long as you're not asking him to be just this like scat weird you know wildcat back. Right. Um, but yeah, I think he's you know I think he's um, gonna flourish kind of wherever he goes. Yeah, this is like deja vu all over again, man. This is what we were doing last year. Where everybody thought the Chargers would trade him to the Bucks or the to Texans, yep. and like, yep. Yep. It's like oh well, wherever he goes, Le'Veon will probably sign with the other one or the Jets and. Uh, yeah. It's like all, all over again. But one thing, one thing I did want to add in, um, 
you know, I added one guy to the sheet here, Jordan Howard. We were just talking about the Eagles. Uh, you know, he, they were trying, if you guys remember, the Eagles were trying to trade for Melvin Gordon last year and they dangled Jordan Howard out there. Um, right. I remember Complete that. disrespect. Disrespectful. <laughs> I, I love everything. Poor Jordan Howard. Said. Yeah. You got, you guys all make great points because he could definitely go to Philly. They were obviously interested last year, but I think that just kind of locks up the fact that Howard is not going to come back. Um, yeah. you know, but I could definitely see Lamar Miller, leaving Houston and filling Howard's spot in Philly personally. So I feel like it's kind of a, you know, if that happens, we might have like this musical chairs where they just kind of all switch places here, but uh, a lot different than the, than the quarterback free agent class, a ton of free agents going to be moving all over the place at the running back spot. Yeah. If Lamar Miller or Carlos Hyde end up on the Eagles, I think that's a good situation for Miles Sanders. So I think that's, you know, it, it's almost like inevitable that the the Eagles will replace Jordan Howard with somebody. I, I mean, you know, they're not going to just leave Miles Sanders and everybody else. If they do, obviously, you know, Miles Sanders value skyrockets in, uh, in redraft. Um, so, yeah, one of those guys probably going to end up at the Eagles, it seems like, between Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde. Um, and then it gets very interesting where who takes their place. Let's talk about the Cardinals situation. I think that's a very interesting one because you got Kenyon Drake who, you know, really ascended last year. Yet to be determined if Kenyon Drake broke out or not, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if he broke out. I need to see it one more time. And what I'm talking about is at the end of last year, 22 carries, 137 yards for four touchdowns. 24 carries for 166 yards, two touchdowns. And then 12 for 60 for one. Um, just a great end to the season for Drake. Not the first time we've really seen that where he's uh, ascended at the end of the year. Uh, two years ago, he did have very nice end to, uh, to the year uh, with the Dolphins, um, even with Adam Gase, you know, trying to do anything he could to not let, you know, a talented running back run wild. But Josh, talk to me here. What's going on with Kenyon Drake? And then, you know, incidentally, what's going on with David Johnson? You know, is there a scenario where both of these guys are Cardinals next year? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury is has already came out and said, like, they would love to have both of these guys there. I mean, I think that they're going to have to tag Drake to get him to stay. Um, but, you know, as far as did, did Drake actually break out last year or not, um, I mean, this is really the first time we've seen him like in an extended role after Chase Edmonds went down. And I don't know. So in that, in that sense, I kind of feel like this is the first time he's actually had an opportunity to break out, um, which is nice. I mean, it, they would be nuts to not bring him back, though, with how much he flourished at the end of the season. And I feel like that's the most common s- the scenario would be to bring to keep Drake there. And then to have David Johnson move on. And I know, you know, two, what was that? Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about at the end of February on our first offseason episode that, you know, that David Johnson for OJ Howard trade would make a ton of sense. Um, you know, since we've recorded that, I've kind of looked into it. And I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like the Bucks coaching staff is down on OJ Howard and that they have any sort of inclination in trading him. Uh, but obviously that would make a ton of sense for, for both clubs. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, I, I do think the scenario is possible they both stay, but I, I feel like it's it's too much for them to keep both guys, especially if you're going to be paying Drake franchise tag money. David Johnson's got to go. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, they owe him uh, $10.2 million. So they can't, you know, when it came out that they were, it actually came out that they were going to cut him. And then, we're, you know, like, oh, man, it's happening. Like, they're going to cut him. And, you know, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. They owe him $10.2 million. Uh, so it really, right. they're, in a, they're in kind of a, a sticky situation, too. So it does feel like the best thing they can do is just keep him. And you, you have a decent backup running back. I mean, because that's what he would be, is he would play second fiddle to Kenyon Drake, um, and then, you know, if you're a Chase Edmonds dynasty owner, you're not happy about that situation for this season. Uh, so, you know, that's another you know, player to bring into this mix, of course, because, you know, if David Johnson goes and then all of a sudden the scenario, it's going to be tough. I, there's no way I don't think that both of these guys leave. Um, so, but, you know, if that happened, then Chase Edmonds obviously rises. Uh, Jesse, what do you make of this Cardinal situation? Do you think both guys end up being Cardinals next year? Or do you think David Johnson, they're going to figure out a way to trade him? 
Yeah, as far as I, I checked last, I think David Johnson is way heavily against the cap, so they can't just outright release him without just taking a huge hit to their cap number this year. Right. Um, I could be totally wrong, but I, I believe oh, that's, that's right. what I saw. Yep. Um, and, and with that said, I think Kenyon Drake is kind of the piece that, that you, you either ride or die with David Johnson or you sign Kenyon Drake and you keep David Johnson and you just kind of you let him, you know, be the change of pace guy there. Um, unless you really think that David Johnson can come in and, and, and kind of reprise his role as being that lead back. I did have concerns when Cliff Kingsbury took over. We didn't see, um, especially with David Johnson being that 2000 purpose yard back a couple of seasons ago, um, 2000 all purpose yards back scrimmage, whatever you want to call it right now. Um, but we saw him top that 2000 yard mark um, receiving and rushing a couple of seasons ago, I did have some concern with Cliff Kingsbury because he had a history of not really, um, not really giving his running backs too much passing volume in his spread system. A lot of that volume went to the wide receiver position as he generally had three, no, no less than three wide receivers on the field at, at a time. Um, and, and so a ton of that volume wasn't going to be going to the running back position, which to me kind of said that David Johnson was going to be, have deflated value either way. Um, and so I'm not sure what they do with, with David Johnson right now, but I do think Kenny Drake has definitely usurped him as the, um, as, as the guy there. I think that he should be the guy. I think they should probably look to maybe potentially sign him um, to, to a, a cap friendly deal. But again, that's hard with when you have a, one running back already on the roster with so much of, um, a, of being a liability in terms of, of cap number and cap space. So it's a, it's like a, it's a murky situation. It's, it's going to be hard to kind of decipher if they could trade David Johnson, that would be awesome. I think the only scenario there is, is you, you ride both those dudes out until, until David Johnson's contracts up, you let him walk in free agency next year i believe it would be but that's it you know i I don't see anything else really happening there so i want to just try to think about this because it's going to be tough because i'm envisioning a scenario like you guys are laying out where david johnson stays they ride it out and he you know they have to eat that just one last year and then they can let him walk in free agency next year so kenyan drake is there I think we all know that, you know, going into week one, it'll probably play out that he's going to be the lead guy with David Johnson playing like a feature role. You know, I don't know. They can't just like work him completely out of the game plan. So, you know, Kenyon Drake in that situation, Josh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you uh, this guy or that guy. I'm going to toss up a couple people here. So let's say Kenyon Drake or Austin Eckler. If Austin, if Melvin Gordon is back as a charger. Oh, I still like Eckler. Eckler. Uh, so Kenyon Drake or Miles Sanders, assuming Jordan Howard is gone. Man, that's tough. That's, a, that's where it starts getting tricky. I think I'd still prefer Miles Sanders just because we saw a little bit more from Sanders than we did from Drake. And yep. I just think if Johnson's there, I mean, it's just – that's going to be a nightmare, man, if both of those backs are there, especially for us fantasy guys. I mean, that's going to be – that's going to be tough sledding. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, what would you say, Jesse? Would you say Miles Sanders uh, without Jordan Howard and he, he's got it to himself or Kenyon Drake with David Johnson there? Yeah, absolutely. Give me Miles Sanders. Give me the guy that, that flashed a lot of high upside last season. And um, even though Kenyon Drake did, don't get me wrong, but I think a lot of his totals and the way it, where he ended up last season are really inflated by um, those final three weeks and then that one week nine um, performance for him. Other than that was kind of uh, – he was, he was kind of off the radar, but I know he's, you know, got, got traded, switched teams. So either way, I think Miles Sanders has a clear path to work. I think he's got a clear path to volume, especially with Jordan Howard. Um, kind of being phased out there, I think it's it, it it just makes more sense for Miles Sanders. I think you know what you're getting there. Doesn't have to deal with a whole lot of other stuff um, and, and waiting in the balance, wondering if his volume's going to come. Just so long as I know it sounds like um, Philly and Philly has a knack for just running these running back by committees that have like seven different running backs and they all get two touches a game and you just have to hope one of them's near the goal line. And but I still do like Miles Sanders plenty. Yeah, I think he's going to be on the field a ton. Right, exactly. You know, assuming one of these veterans doesn't come in, um, and even if they do, 
you know, we saw Miles Sanders succeed with Jordan Howard out there. Yes, uh, Howard was injured uh, for a few games there. And, you know, we saw Sanders really excel. So you just have to hope that the Eagles really understand his talent. Not that they don't, but the, the, the approach and the game plan just isn't based around, you know, a feature back that's going to take the majority of the work there. One guy I want to throw out there is Chris Thompson. You know, not anybody special uh, in fantasy that we're going to like consider, but in PPR leagues, if he gets in the right situation, I think you're pretty happy with what you could get out of Chris Thompson. We're going to talk about best ball here. Chris Thompson's always a guy that you can consider in a best ball situation because you don't have to rely on every week production. Um, so yeah, you know, if Chris Thompson, yeah, you know, a, a scenario I'm envisioning because we have, you know, the show doc here and we have Peyton Barber, right? Who Jesse, look, what did I tell you uh, in on, on Twitter? I said, you know, get Peyton Barber out of Tampa Bay, right? Just get him out so I can figure out what's going on there. They don't have just these average running backs, you know, just sitting there and not really doing anything in this prolific offense. So let's say Peyton Barber leaves and you got somebody like Chris Thompson to just step in there and finally give Jameis, you know, a pass catching option. You know, I think that would be really special there if you pair him with a Ronald Jones who – is anything but special, but at least you know the roles there of, okay, Ronald Jones is going to run it up the gut. They're going to give him 15 carries. And then Chris Thompson, I mean, what does he get? Six, seven targets, you know, in, in a given game, you know, if he's in Tampa Bay in that situation, I just see that being like the best possible scenario for somebody like Chris Thompson. And then you got Kareem Hunt, who, someone who I think that the Cleveland Browns are probably going to sign. Is that how you're looking at this right now, Josh, with, with Kareem Hunt? Yeah, everything I'm hearing out of Cleveland is that the coaching staff you know, loves him, love the work he's put in, they want to bring him back. So they're going to pick up that uh, fifth-year option, it sounds like. so. Because um, from what I understand, uh, you know, when he was – when he was off, it still counted towards a full year. So he still, this is, this is coming up right now. So he's, they pick that up, you know, they're there. It's not guaranteed beyond this, this season, but, um, but I think both the Browns are comfortable with that because they want to make sure he doesn't screw up off the field, uh, you know, and they're give give him another year of a leash, so to speak. Um, so I think that makes absolutely the most sense for the Browns is that they're just going to go ahead and pick up that fifth year option. It's going to be very affordable for them too. So, I mean, I have this, that Chubb and uh, Hunt backfield last season was fantastic. So, I mean, I, I see no reason that they would want to go away from that. It's not like the Kenyon Drake and David Johnson situation where that's just going to be a super expensive backfield. Uh, this one's going to be super affordable with a second round pick and, you know, a guy get his fifth year on his rookie deal. So that's, that's very affordable for the Browns. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, going into a year where we can actually see, okay, we're going to have a full year of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Does that make you concerned for Nick Chubb? Not in Dynasty, Jesse, because I think we're good with Nick Chubb where he's at now in Dynasty. But does that make you second guess his redraft value where, you, where you're going to get him in redraft? Absolutely for this year. And especially if they plan on signing him to a long-term deal, if they really do like um, Kareem Hunt and, and you know, they, they really do believe that he's going to be a focal point of their entire offense. Yeah. I'm, I get concerned about Nick Chubb this year in, in redraft and kind of beyond depending on how they sign. Um, they decide they signed uh, Kareem Hunt. So yeah, no, there's definitely some concern there. I think a lot of that receiving work and definitely um, goes kind of to Kareem Hunt. We saw Kareem Hunt have a fantastic couple um, couple games where he was just getting 10 plus receptions, I believe. Don't quote me, but I just remember seeing an inflated amount of receptions by Kareem Hunt. Once he did come back after that suspension, I saw some, some of that receiving work go to him. I don't think that that necessarily affects Nick Chubb in the overall carries game. We still see him down the stretch log multiple over 20, 20 carries in a game, but we did see him start to dwindle as, as the season went down. Um, and we definitely saw his, his overall targets take a hit. I mean, we're talking through, I, I, maybe he had more consistent games 
games of four or more targets down the stretch. But once Kareem Hunt does come back, we see those targets really kind of go down to one a game, two a game, um, the occasional three a game, but really not, not too much of that overall passing volume goes to him. So I think that's definitely a big concern. Um, and I, I, I think Kareem Hunt does, does kind of warrant some uh, consideration there when we're thinking about the upside of Nick Chubb. Will he be a top five um, or, a, a, you know, an, a running back one again without that passing volume? He can. He's good enough on the ground to be. But tempering expectations, maybe he's not that, that top, you know, five or, you know, maybe he's not that top two round pick anymore. I'm not sure yet. I have yet to to kind of evaluate and value put a valuation on Nick Chubb with Kareem Hunt there. That's um, a yeah. More I mean, as, as far as I'm concerned, Chubb is an RB one, top five RB uh, mm-hmm. year to year without yeah. without Kareem Hunt. I mean, absolutely, Nick Chubb is that guy. And absolutely, it makes a huge difference. You're right. The target share in these half point PPR leagues, these PPR leagues. Um, where you're not getting that reception volume that you want from Nick Chubb. Now, yeah, there's definitely the outcome of him still being able to be that top three, top five talent, but it's just not as likely without the targets. And what we saw from Kareem Hunt last year, and I'll never forget, you know, last season at one point, um, Jason Moore uh, of the fantasy footballers who like puts things very like plainly, very bluntly, and like just the most simple they could be is – well, Kareem Hunt is walking into the Duke Johnson role, but he's way better than Duke Johnson. And it's like, exactly. oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So you're getting the same target share, you're in the same role, but you are potentially an elite running back in the NFL? I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's Dude, a great situation. He's getting more than the Duke Johnson workload. I mean, you saw him come in, like Jesse said, there were multiple games where he walked in and had you know, nine targets. And then you look at, Nick Chubb and I mean other than that week nine contest where they were targeting the running backs heavily you know he had no more than three targets it was like one or two targets every game after that so it's it's tough man and and how pissed are you if you're Nick Chubb and you're in a uh, in the hunt for the rushing title and your coach and, gives 13 carries in the final game oh for a little bit of hunt. context I see what you a little bit of, for a little bit of context too we're looking um we're looking at week 10 on nine targets, uh, week 11, uh, eight targets, week 15, nine targets. Uh, let's see. And then, so that's three weeks of arguably wide receiver, one passing, you know, of, right. uh, opportunity right. there. Like that's, yep. that is absolutely major. And then you look at um, week 13, five, uh, you see him have a couple weeks of three, but then you have a uh, week 13, five, he had no less than, than he only had less than four targets on two occasions when he came back. And that's just jumping right back into the fold. I mean, I'm sure they had some time to scheme him up and, and kind of, you know, be like, okay, we're going to get Kareem Hunt involved in the passing game. We're going to have him involved here. But I mean, that's just kind of him jumping back into the ship. Imagine a full off season of them just scheming around the fact that they have an elite talent at running back. They have two elite talents at running back and the way that they can deploy both of those guys it's going to I think we see it you know kind of a cannibalization happening right there but um yeah so that's a cause for concern indefinitely all right yeah moving on real quick guys and it's been you know a pleasure talking some fantasy football with you guys tonight uh Jesse again thanks for coming on uh but I want to talk about some best ball darlings for 2020 and I think we got a couple – well, we have one post-hype guy. And wouldn't you know it, Jesse, you're talking about a Charger. <laughs> hey, I, I told you before this thing kicked off, I don't really know. I know enough to know that I don't know anything right now. So I'm going to go with what I actually do know. And my best ball darling right now um, would probably be – Mike Williams. We saw him surpass 1,000 receiving yards this year for the first time in his in his career. Last year, we saw him really, really hit his stride, but it was more so in the fact that he had 10 touchdowns. So that was kind of a big deal. We saw regression in that area, but we saw him pick up in, in a more productive way in terms of receiving yards. This year is an all-new – it's going to be an entirely new 
um, like setting for this Chargers team. And really, Travis Benjamin just got released. I fully anticipate them to draft a wide receiver, but not within the first three rounds. More than likely, I don't think that they're going to draft a wide receiver anywhere. Probably, I should conservatively say two rounds. But yeah. realistically, I think third-round wide receiver. And even then, Mike Williams is a first-round wide receiver with great metrics to back him up. More than anything, I think if they keep even some semblance of aggression uh, in that inside that scheme with with um, offensive coordinator uh, Shane Steichen, I really really think that with a new quarterback who's more accurate than Philip Rivers, who can throw the ball a little bit more, I think you see Mike Williams just kind of skyrocket and be that fringe wide receiver one, definite wide receiver two in the NFL. And he was he would just be one of those guys. I think people are on the fence about him right now. I think you can get him at a good value. And in best ball, I mean, you want to chase that upside. And I don't think there's very few guys in the league right now that have as much upside as, as a guy who has the talent of Mike Williams, who's going through all of this evolution right now in the scheme and the team that he's on. So count me up for that. You know, count me in for that entire that, that entire ceiling play right there for best ball. Oh, I love it. Yeah, we already know that Mike Williams can get you two or three touchdowns in the game. That's the kind of guy you want on your best ball team. And Josh, you got another one of those guys. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, this best ball, my, my whole strategy is I'm going to get that Julio, that Michael Thomas, like that number one wide receiver first. And then, I mean, the rest of my roster is just going to be all of these major home run hitter, you know, boomer bust wide receivers, because that's, that's what seems to work in best ball. I mean, on a week to week basis, you never know who's going to go off, but uh, we talked about him, you know, two weeks ago, uh, Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, I feel like he is just going to bust out in a big way. Uh, I feel like uh, Mark Andrews is going to have some, some touchdown regression. And I think some of those touchdowns are going to go to Hollywood. I still feel that way. Um, you know, and I also like, uh, you know, if Robbie, if Robbie Anderson doesn't go to the jets, uh, even if he does, man, I mean, I, you know, I put, if he signs with green Bay, but, I mean, honestly, I love Robbie Anderson too. I mean, he's a, he's a huge swing for the fences guy, a major deep ball threat. And, you know, these are the guys that I love to fill my roster with. I mean, if I have five, six of these guys, I mean, you, you're taking the best score every week in best ball. So one of these guys is going to pay off on a weekly basis for you. So it's nice to kind of have that super safe floor with the stud wide receiver one, and then just have your roster peppered with these guys. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, you got to have Hollywood Brown. Uh, we talked about him in Dynasty as being just, you know, even slept upon in Dynasty right now. I mean, how could that right. be? But, <laughs> right. Yeah, best ball. What kind of value are you going to get for him there? So, yeah, that's that's great value. And one of, you know, the one of the best offenses last year, you're getting their wide receiver one. Um, and you know he's going to put together those games. And then best ball, of course, perfect kind of guy to draft in best ball. You don't have to rely on that week-to-week production. Sort of the same thing with my player. Of course, I'm actually projecting more consistency than a Hollywood Brown is Deontay Johnson. And look, that really is predicated on Ben Roethlisberger's health. Of course, the elbow injury is one to look at as a concern. But assuming that we have full health from Ben, Big Ben, I'm liking Deontay Johnson a lot. I mean, we have Juju Smith-Schuster, who obviously is more of a slot receiver, can definitely play the outside. But in this offense, how I'm looking at it, you got Deontay, who plays that, talk about scheme here, that wide receiver one, and the slot is Juju. And then you have the other side, the the deep threat is, uh, is James Washington. Deontay Johnson can be that deep threat too. You know, he had 92 targets last season as rookie year, you know, with what a – a cluster of terrible quarterback play midway through the season. I mean, whether it was Hodges or Rudolph and, you know, I'm, I was a Mason Rudolph truther before last season. So me talking about Mason Rudolph in that light is very disappointing at this point, but no, if it's Ben Roethlisberger, I'm all in on Deontay Johnson. Um, Give me some of that. He caught five touchdowns last season. You know, a couple of those were with Roethlisberger. So we already saw early on that there was, that uh, chemistry. Um, I think that in redraft, Johnson is going to be one of those guys who you can get value. I mean, it's not going to hurt you to draft him at all. You know, everyone obviously is going to draft Juju Smith-Schuster highly, probably dropping down to a third round pick this season. But Deontay Johnson, somebody you're going to get value in both basketball and redraft. Yeah, I love I love that we talked about the Steelers don't have a good valid quarterback option behind Big Ben. So having a full season of Big Ben, that's what the Steelers do, man. They bring in these wide receivers. 
and they just they they always perform man so i'd say mm-hmm. there's a good track record there in pittsburgh for that being a success oh most definitely until teddy b comes in and kills <laughs> it with pittsburgh teddy. teddy i'm push i'm pushing for teddy b to pittsburgh man i want to see that you know when B- big ben goes down i want to see teddy b just back there tomlin calling the shots and him just having a blast of the playoffs i want to see that story yeah, you might That'd you might fun. get some yeah you might get some shady McCoy there too for uh, oh think, yeah there you go final tour of duty man <laughs> all right guys yeah this has been fun thanks a lot uh, go find Jesse Reeves on Twitter uh, where can they find you on Twitter Jesse yeah at Jesse Reeves FF pretty simple uh, yeah you guys can check out all the work I explained it earlier on uh, at the you know at the beginning of the podcast all my work over at Player Profiler bunch of cool stuff dropping right now so yeah just keep up with the timeline if you're interested in any of the work that i'm doing that i talked about tonight um yeah just look for it on twitter awesome guys yeah on behalf of josh daly my name is steve petroni thanks for listening guys this has been the hot take podcast